This is Moments of Hope brought to you by the Missionary Church Association in Jamaica. I am your host, Marja Elaine Francis, welcoming you to the program. Good morning, listeners. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, an annual campaign to raise awareness about the impact of breast cancer. Women are generally encouraged to do a monthly breast self-examination and annual mammograms. A breast cancer diagnosis is not the kind of news any woman wants to receive from the doctor, but if they do, it is a relief to know that it is not a death sentence. Although we have lost so many women to breast cancer, Today, I extend my condolences to the families who are grieving at this time. Many women, though, have survived this dreaded disease. They are survivors. Today, I have with me a brave and beautiful survivor who will share her story with us. She is Julie Davis, a wife, mother of three, freelance writer and podcaster. Today, we will focus on her journey to overcoming breast cancer as she share with us how breast cancer influenced her life, the power of a relationship with God, and the importance of support in difficult times. Julie Davis, welcome. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Good. Julie, we know that God is intentional about what he does in our life and what he allows to happen. However, how difficult it is, we are mindful that God will not leave us nor forsake us. You had an encounter of breast cancer. I'd love for you to share with our listeners, how did you discover that you had breast cancer? I actually just went for my annual mammogram. I had no history of breast cancer in my family. I had no symptoms or lumps or absolutely no reason to believe that I would have breast cancer. So it was really the furthest thing from my mind. Um, but I just went for my annual mammograms because that's what you do, right? And I yes. remember even that morning thinking, I really don't have time for this. I really don't want to go. And I almost canceled my appointment. And then I just kind of said, oh, let's just get it over with. And I went and, uh, and you went and was told, what was that experience like though? It, I mean, shocking would be the biggest understatement in the world because everything I expected was I'm going to walk in get this mammogram done, walk out and like every other year. So when they uh, had me sit down and wait for a little while, I just thought they were making sure they got the images or whatever. And then they said, I want to take you into the ultrasound room. And I remember thinking, I'm not pregnant. Why am I getting an ultrasound? <laughs> and um, I was in there for quite a while and I was just very, very confused then the, the woman who was performing it kept leaving the room and coming back in and continuing the procedure and then leaving and coming back in. And I, I came to find out that she was going back and forth with the uh, person who reads the ultrasound. And that person eventually just came into the room and said, Julie, there's three areas that we're concerned about. I think two of them are going to be benign. They're not going to be cancerous, but I think one is malignant. I think it's going to be 
breast cancer. And I just, I don't even know that I, I, I mean, I was just in such shock and probably one of my biggest memories from that day was driving home and in total silence, just trying to wrap my head around the fact that I had cancer or that I, I might have cancer and that I have three kids that um, my, my only sister uh, died in a car crash in 1996. And so telling my parents they might lose another daughter was scary. I didn't want to do that. And so uh, I, at that time had no idea what stage I was at, if I was going to need chemotherapy, I, I had no idea at that stage, even if I had cancer, but I was pretty sure I did. And how am I going to break this to my family? And I guess, you know, death had become real to me when my sister passed, but now it was potentially me. And so I just, all of these thoughts running through my head on this, right. you know, three mile drive home was overwhelming. I can only imagine it being overwhelming and having moved from the doctor going home. Now you had to face the reality of starting some procedures, doing some different things to adjust to what is to come. You know, how did this old diagnosis influence your life, your family, break the news to your parents, your children? You know, my, I have a really strong family. And I'm grateful for that. Um, I, I remember, it's kind of funny now, I, I sat the three girls down, my three daughters, and at the time they were six, um, six, 11, I would say. Yeah, six, 11, and 14. And so I sat them down and told them the news, but... Um, all I remember is my oldest one just kind of looked at me real monotone. You know, she's in that preteen stage and she said, just don't die. And I remember thinking, well, okay, I'll work on that. You know, just very <laughs> matter of fact. And yes. the other two had, they had more questions and um, I didn't have all the answers. My mom and dad, I don't know if they really shared with me their fear or whatever, wow. but they were just like, okay, we're going to deal with this. And I was so grateful that they had just moved. I live in Missouri and they had just moved here from California where I had grown up to be here with my kids. And I mean, what a God thing that that was, that they were here to be with my kids when I was going through treatment and to be such a support. Yes. Um, you know, I think to I had lost one of my best friends from high school to breast cancer, and she had actually lost her sister to the same disease. So, like I said, you know, breast cancer was always kind of out there with other people, but I, I knew that this this could be a very deadly disease, and and it scared me. And I think it scared my family. My husband is more of the silent, quiet type, and so he was just like, okay, and. And everybody was kind of like, we'll get through this. We'll do whatever we have to do. We'll get through it. What I didn't realize was that my daughter, Mallory, uh, my youngest daughter, who was six at the time, 
you know, I, I ended up going out of state for my treatment. I went to New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, and that's another story, but she did not really talk a whole lot about it, but she had a, a difficult time. And it was after my treatment, my surgery, everything that she would start coming out with statements. She was very clingy with me, really wanting to hold my hands really. I mean, to this day, she's nine and she wants to sleep in, in my bed with me. And she would say things like, mommy, if you die, I die mm. just out of the blue. And I remember thinking, no, you're not going to die if I die. And just having those conversations. And I did end up having her speak with her school counselor and kind of talking through, she's still, she doesn't like to listen to sad songs on the radio. It, oh. She just, um, if I'm sick, she gets a little more upset than I think would, she would have normally, um, if she sees me cry, it really upsets her. And so unfortunately, I think the reality of what could have happened was very real to her yes. at a young age. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't unfortunately super aware with aware of that until later. Right. So once we are affected by 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 anything, or family members invariably get affected too, even sometimes more than we can imagine. Uh, you you had your, the support of your family, but for those listening, there are some persons when they get the diagnosis, they don't want to share with anyone. What would you say to persons who may be hesitant to share with family members and friends? I honestly can't imagine not sharing it with my family, but at the same time, I recognize that not everybody has supportive family. Some people are in um, destructive family situations. One thing that was really, really helpful to me, I mean, if, if you are alone or you don't have family near you, believe it or not, I found a Facebook group that I got on and it ultimately helped me decide the, the treatment path that I found, but those, that was a group of women that were going through it or had been through it. And I could go there at all times of night because people were in various time zones, countries and everything. And, you know, even though my family was a support to me, I mean, my husband doesn't know what it's like to have breast cancer. My mother didn't, nobody did my kids. I couldn't share what I was feeling with them because I didn't want to scare them. And so this Facebook group honestly was a huge support for me. And I know there are local groups, there might be church groups, yes. different places like that, where you can also go and find support. And I was really shocked too, to find that um, the breast cancer foundations that were just incredibly supportive to me. Like when I was going through my treatment, they actually paid my mortgage and utilities uh, because my husband and I both weren't working at that time. And they sent my kids um, gift cards for Christmas. Uh, there was a place down in New Orleans, which was a Hope Lodge. And it was by um, the Cancer uh, American Cancer Society, I believe. And we were able to stay there for free. It's just for cancer patients. And able to speak with other people going through various types of cancers and, and we're all kind of there in the same place. And so there are other places to find support if you don't have 
a strong family network. Support is available. There you have it, listeners. Uh, if the family members are not present, you're not so comfortable. There are other persons, other groups, as Julie mentioned, where persons who are going through or would have gone through cancer is able to support you. Do not do this journey alone no. if you ever find yourself having the dreaded cancer disease. It's not a death sentence. No. And as Julie would have shared earlier, she went to do her annual we know early detection saves lives, helps saves life. Now, Julie, you would have gone through this whole process, having the support of family members, the American Cancer Society. Now you are a believer in God. How did your faith in God help you during this period? I believe you said you, you shared with me prior that it was for three years. Yeah, it happened to me three years ago in 2019. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had formerly been in ministry. Um, I had been a missionary overseas. I had been to Bible college. You know, I, I had a strong faith, was raised in the church. When my sister passed away, it was in a car crash. So it was very sudden and unexpected. And, um, you know, when something like that happens, it's it's beyond life altering. It, it was devastating. And I can't say that I handled it well. I, um, it didn't, it didn't make me not believe in God or anything, but I really struggled. I struggled with talking to God. Even it was like, I, I love you. It's like, I, I pictured myself in the same room with the Lord and I loved him and I didn't want to walk out of that room, but I also wanted to stay on one side and he stay on the other. I just didn't have anything to say to him. Mm. And I was kind of in that place for a very, very long time. I love you, Lord. I just don't want to talk to you. I, I was, I was too hurt that this happened. Um, so I think when I got my cancer diagnosis, I had to face the fact that I need to have a talk with the Lord. And it's not like I never prayed, but it, it just, there wasn't that closeness with him. And so I did talk to him. It's a, it's a, a, some of these crisis things that happen to us that drive us to the Lord, because we can't just put off those, those things. We right. can't keep him at a distance anymore because you're facing your own mortality. You're facing the reality that all of us are going to die, yes. whether it's of cancer or of natural causes. One day we're all going to leave this earth and what is our ultimate destination so I really had to have that conversation with the Lord and deal with some of the other baggage that I was carrying. So I think it it forced me to do that. And I I don't know that I would have, I mean, I, I think maybe eventually, but um, yeah, it, it did kind of force me to deal with things that I was not dealing with force you to bring that relationship a little closer and not yeah. want to be in the room with God, but say, Hey God, I am ready to talk to you. Well, and two part of, I think that the struggle that I had was, and if you've been a Christian for very long, you realize that Christians are very imperfect people. And that can be people that are in ministry that are, that are good, godly people, but they can hurt you. And I had experienced that. So I had a very um, 
keep my distance. Don't want to get too close with people in ministry. I would go to church and everything, but I didn't want to get involved because of, again, baggage that I had had from the past. And one of the really special things was how my church surrounded me with love. I mean, I had flowers, you know, I had, um, they, they helped financially as well and I didn't ask for it. So they really surrounded me. And I, I hope that anybody listening that's going through this has a very strong church because I did have a really good church and and it's so I think God used it to bring some healing to my heart from some negative experiences that I've had and helped me to walk through some forgiveness because it's like, okay, people, people hurt us, but they can also minister to us. And, you know, I'm not perfect either. So that was, that was very healing. I thank God for you and that journey and just how the church, God used the church, the people to minister to you and to take you to that place of not just physical healing, wholeness, but emotional as well. My guest today is Julie Davis, a wife, a mother of three, a podcaster, and we have been discussing her journey of overcoming breast cancer now, Julie, you would have shared with us how you were just randomly doing your 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 annual mammogram, and then you you were you learned that you are diagnosed with cancer. Then you went into treatment and all these things. Invariably, there are lifestyle changes that we women have to make as a result of of breast cancer. What lifestyle change did you have to make, and how was it for you? Well, I'll I'll be honest with you. And and this is because I did do my annual mammogram and it was caught early. So I am grateful that I did not have to, that I did not have to go through chemotherapy. Um, I did not have to go through some of the things that other people that are in further stages have to go through. And had I skipped that mammogram that day, which I really had considered, um, that would have been a very different story. So Lifestyle changes, I would say, because I'm a stubborn person, I tried very difficult, uh, very much to not let it disrupt my lifestyle. I mean, I even remember um, we, as I mentioned before, were in, I was in New Orleans for treatment and we had to stay down there for about 10 days until my post-op appointment. And I remember telling my husband, go see if we can borrow a wheelchair. And so we borrowed a wheelchair and he pushed me all over Bourbon Street and the, co- the cobblestones and all that. Um, so I, I really tried to stay present and active. I remember, you know, sleeping was very difficult. I had a type of surgery. I, I ended up doing a double mastectomy, but I did one where they call it a deep flap mastectomy. And so they literally took my stomach Um stomach fat and mm-hmm. did reconstructed breasts using that. And so I had those two areas where I had been operated on. So sleep was very difficult. I um, slept in a chair for quite a while. I couldn't necessarily do everything that I would have normally done. And I think that was a good thing because it did help my kids to grow up a little bit that you need to pitch in a little yes. bit more. Mm-hmm. Mom is sick. And so you guys need to do that. 
Um, but for the most part, um, there were obviously some difficult days, but I, and I fortunate to work from home. So I would say it didn't impact my life as much as it could. And I really owe a lot of that to that early detection. Again, early detection is key. Yes. And you would have gone through the procedure now healed. And thank God for that. Now, Julie, there are some persons who are listening this morning and they're like, wow, I hear her story. Ah, should I go and do that, Mama Graham? Hmm. Uh, Are there maybe some persons who are already diagnosed with breast cancer and they're just thinking that this is the worst thing that could ever happen and they're really having a difficulty coping. I'd love for you to share what word of encouragement do you have for persons like that today? Well, two things I would just say, make a commitment to your mammograms. They're not fun. Nobody enjoys them. And I was like going for your colonoscopy. They're, they're horrible but it's worth the discomfort. If you have children, if you have anybody in your life that loves you and you do, um, you owe it to them to get those mammograms. I'm so grateful that I went that day and I did not want to go. And I literally almost canceled my appointment, but it would have been so much more difficult had I not gone. If I'd let something grow to a point where I found a lump or whatever. I have a very close friend that just recently went through it and and she was at a further stage than I was. And she did go through the chemotherapy and she did um, end up having surgery. And it was, it was a more difficult process, but her prognosis is amazing as well. So even if you are at a later stage of cancer, I, I don't want fear to take over because that's a horrible place to live. God is our hope. And like I said earlier, all of us will pass away one day. So I think that having those conversations with the Lord and knowing that you know that you know where you're going to go, whether it's sooner or later, I think is, is the ultimate hope to have. But if you are in that place of having to deal with cancer, It is not a death sentence. You can get through that. There is so many resources. There are so many treatment options. Research them. Find people that will walk you through this and give you good wisdom. And just know that people really care. And you're going to be okay. I love that you say that God is our hope and there are resources available and we just need to access them. And of course, be reminded, Julie said it, don't allow fear to grip you. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love and of a sound mind. Let us be reassured that God is with us even in the most difficult times. Julie, I'll ask you to close in prayer for those listening. Lord Jesus, I just, I thank you. I thank you for your patience with us when we hold you at a distance, when we're hurt, that you understand. And I thank you that you work through these difficult, shocking times and do bring good in our lives. And I pray for each woman listening, whether they have a cancer diagnosis or not,
that you would be real and you would be personal to them in whatever difficulty they face, because we all do. Lord, for that woman that's listening and she's dealing with breast cancer or any type of cancer, I pray that you would speak hope, that you would bring people into her life that would be an incredible source of encouragement and hope, that you would bring financial resources, that you would bring church people. And, and I pray that those of us who are not dealing with cancer would open our eyes and listen to your prompting to how we can be a help to those who are dealing with cancer. Father, I thank you ultimately for the eternal life that you offer us, that you pay the ultimate price so that when it is our time, that we can be with you and there is no cancer, there is no mourning, there is no sickness with you. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. May I remind you, the Missionary Church Association in Jamaica brings moments of hope to you every Sunday at 7.30 a.m. Thanks to my guest, Julie Davis. Thanks to you, our listeners. If you need prayer, counseling, or further information, call the Missionary Church Association office at 924-1378 or WhatsApp 7910527. Also, link us on Facebook at Moment of Hope MCAJ with your comments. I am Marja Elaine Francis. Regardless of what you encounter in life, there is hope. And there is power in prayer. Hebrews 11 verse 6 reminds us that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. I invite you to pray by yourself or join with a family member or a friend. And let us pray being mindful that God answers prayers. Tune in again next week for another moment of hope.